Hey guys, I am just delighted, delighted that you're joining us for this series. It's awesome to be connecting with you around this extremely important uh, topic of growth. Listen, here's the deal, or the question rather, you know, who will you be on the other side of this pandemic? Now, we still got quite a distance to go before we get out of this pandemic, but I think all of us are beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, if we are wise and saved and blessed, we'll get to, uh, to exit uh, in due season. Who will you be when you exit? Who will I be? I hope you have the posture that I, at least I have, which is uh, I want to have a growing posture. As a matter of fact, I want to suggest to you that I believe that God has been working in our lives in the midst of this pandemic, as horrendous as it is, and that he's already started to activate uh, some some growth in us that with recognition and uh, cooperation, uh, our recognition and cooperation, he'll be able to uh, bring to completion. So that's what this series is about. And uh, let's get started. I want to return back uh, to the resurrection story. Actually, I want to back up just a little bit. I know we had a big celebration about it uh, on Easter, but I want to back up a couple of days on Good Friday and uh, at the, after Jesus dies, here's what the text says. There's some insight here that's going to help us as we begin to think about God allowing us to grow uh, through this difficult season. Here's what the writer says, John. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. Somebody shouted garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. And there ends the reading. Let me begin by just saying how grateful I am to uh, Pastor Ken Foreman, who was just a huge blessing to all of us last weekend. You know, I talked to Pastor Ken Foreman about uh, teaching for us uh, on Monday of the week leading into the weekend. I, I realized that I thought I needed a little extra break because of his relationship with me and his um, uh, the position that he held uh, kind of as a senior pastor of pastors in this region. I reached out to him and asked him, would he would he kick off our new series and help us to celebrate our seventh anniversary? And do you know he did not hesitate? Now, here's the deal. He said, you know what? And I'll know exactly what I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach a message called Dream Again. And when he said dream again, I mean, it really almost sent cheers, chills through me uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, my uh, last season as pastor in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, a church called Roxford Presbyterian Church was really defined by those two words, dream again. As a matter of fact, we had led a $3.3 million capital campaign to renovate this incredible a building that we were housed in and it had been orchestrated in such a way that people across the city, across race and communities and neighborhoods had come together. It was such a big deal in terms of how it unfolded that the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald uh, both uh, wrote about this, this miracle that happened in the heart of Roxbury. And one day I was asking about, um, I spent a little time praying, say, hey God, why did you do this miracle for us? You know, oftentimes we're asking God 
you know, how come this, this bad thing happened? But we don't often ask him, how come some of these good things happened? I was, I was inquiring, why did you choose to bless RPC this way? And I had this vision of the, of the people, uh, the precious, wonderful people who were living throughout the Roxbury community, really grasping for air, almost suffocating as they would uh, engage each new day because they had been just hit and plummeted by trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma. Not unlike those of us who are thinking, who are trying to live through this pandemic, right? Don't you feel that way? Don't you feel like you've been plummeted and pounded by trauma after trauma after trauma? You turn on the TV, there's a trauma. What's going on in your life? There's yet another trauma. Somebody is sick. There's a relationship issue. There's another issue of police brutality. Trauma and trauma and trauma. Don't you feel like sometimes you're just trying to catch your breath? Well, that was the vision that I saw. And, um, and God essentially said, you know, uh, the people were on survival mode. That's where we are, right? He says they've lost their capacity to dream again. And he said he had worked that miracle in the heart of Roxbury Presbyterian Church where I was leading so that we could help lead the Roxbury community in an effort that would help them to dream again. And so... Uh, we launched a campaign that was called Dream Against. You can see why these words, when, when, when uh, Pastor Ken said, you know, I'm going to teach you about dreaming, and you can see why it ricocheted all through my spirit, right? Um, and we launched a campaign and had 700 plus conversations with people in a local area about what their greatest dreams were and, and prioritized that and focused on education, ended up adopting a school that was, uh, uh, was about to be closed and then ended up partnering with the with the superintendent and the mayor convincing them to, to reimagine, to dream again with us about the school. And the ultimate result was raising a miraculous $50 million and building the first STEM school in the state of Massachusetts in one of the most underserved neighborhoods, the Roxbury community neighborhood that there, uh, that there was. All that happened because people started to dream. Here's a picture. Here's the school there. Here's, here's actually ended up being about $75 million. Look, at, look, look, keep going through very quickly. And this is a little bit of the inside. And here's a picture of some of the young people that uh, this school is making a difference because, and it all started, check this out, with me in a prayer closet somewhere saying, God, what is this miracle about with our church? And he says, it's about them. And ultimately, the superintendent uh, uh, began to lead a radically different way as she invited faith communities to partner with schools all across the district to dream again. So, hey, when Pastor Ken said that, man, that struck a chord. It made me think, well, maybe, man, as we're celebrating, man, God must be getting ready to make, do a major move yet again. But can I let you in on a little secret as excited as I was about that word, and I knew it was a word from God to us as a community and to all of you who are preparing to try to exit this thing as you think about growth, but can I let you in on a, just a little, little secret? I don't feel like dreaming again. I mean, as I said a few moments ago, I have been pounded and plummeted uh, by trauma after trauma after trauma, it just feels to me this one time in my life, the effort of trying to dream again is just a heavy lift. 
It just, it just feels to me like just trying to, trying, to, trying to find the wherewithal to dream fresh dreams. Just, just the thought of it seems so exhausting. I, I, I bet you, you feel the same way I feel. I bet you, maybe not everybody, but some of you watching me, you say, yeah, that's exactly it. I just don't feel like it. I've been too beat down. I've been too traumatized. It's just hard to try to find the wherewithal. And so that's why God directed me. He says, look, see, this, this second week of growth, we've got to pick up where the pastor left off. And here's the deal. If, 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 it is important for us to dream again, but we've got to get past some barriers that are standing in the way of our ability to dream fresh dreams. All right, here's the first Barrier. By the way, can you say practical teaching? Just shout practical teaching. Again, for those of you who are joining us, one of the things that, that we really kind of try to define life together here, uh, at least on Sunday mornings, is what we call practical teaching. It's our goal to take biblical truths and help you to apply them to your life in practical ways. We don't just want to tell you what, uh, you know, what does says the Lord but, uh, or what you might want to be doing. We really want to tell you how somebody shout practical teaching. So that's what I want to do. We, we, so we want to return to the resurrection. And here, here's the thing I want you to remember about the resurrection. I heard my friend, Pastor Renee Sleffler, say this a few weeks ago. Resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. Some of you, like me, have been living through some horrible, worse things during this pandemic. Uh, here's the announcement. Here's the announcement that comes with the truth of Jesus conquering death and rising to new life. The worst thing is never the last thing. All right, let me just move here. Here's a couple of things just to get us kind of rolling down the road together today that we need to do. The first thing we need to do in terms of how do I push past some of these barriers that's in the way of my dreaming again, emotionally and psychologically and spiritually. Well, the first thing we got to do is that we got to shift how we think about change. You got to shift your view of change. You know, the other day I was talking to, um, I don't know, four or five weeks ago. I was talking to a young man, a gifted, very brilliant young man, a young man that I have known for years, love him dearly. He's got all kinds of things going wrong in his life. Obviously, the pandemic has done for him what he's done for many people across all kinds of uh, class and race and all kinds of distinctions. People are finding that addictions are exploding in their lives and, and uh, addiction is exploding in his life and his marriage is blowing up and you know, stuff is going crazy with his kids and with his job. It's just, just, just really out, out, out there in a bad way. And so I, be, I was talking to him and he said to me, he says, look, uh, Pastor, you know, I, I just don't think that I can change. And you know what I said to him? I said, listen, you, <laughs> you know, your, 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 your paradigm is broken, so I want you to stop saying that I can't change. And I want you to start to say, I can grow. Come on, can you just say that, just, just say that out loud and say, I can grow. And I began to show him the accumulation of knowledge and experiences and how he can now recognize, come on now, uh, the, the, the play of the enemy long before it develops. Uh, he could grow. Listen, uh, the, the, I, for many of you, when you think about dreaming again, you're thinking about impossible change in your life. 
And I need you to change that paradigm and start thinking about the fact, no, you can grow. God has shaped you so. You know, social scientists uh, often say when they're talking about people who are in their 60s and 70s, 80s and 90s, they say, if you want to stay sharp, you want to stay connected and engaged with life around you, they say, learn a new skill, learn a new language, pick up a new hobby, because, you know, it, it begins to fire these chemicals in your brain that works these new patterns because your brain is, is, is pliable, right? Uh, that, that you may not grow as rapidly as you did when you were 20, but, but God has shaped you so that you can grow. So here's my challenge for you. The next time that you run into something incredibly difficult and challenging, I want the first words to come out of your mouth. I can grow. Come on, somebody shout it. I can grow. All right. Now, let me just show you very quickly how growth happens in the text. Notice this text. It says, later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. And so let me just give you a little context. Jesus has died on Calvary's cross, and it's a Friday evening. And in a few hours, it's going to be Sabbath. And the body is supposed to be buried before Sabbath. And and Joseph and Nicodemus, they get together to go because nobody else uh, has the resources or the means uh, to do this. And and, and they risk and go and they ask Pilate, give us the body. We need to tend to his burial. Watch what happens. Watch watch what it says about Joseph. It says, now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared what the Jewish leaders would do to him. Now watch what it says about Nicodemus. Watch what it says about Nicodemus. It says he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus was a secret disciple as well. Now, notice this, that their journey over the last three and a half years, somewhere along the line, has started to unfold. And they believed in Jesus, but they were too afraid of of all the externals. And so they were secret disciples. But how many of you know that there are some circumstances that will occur in your life that actually demand, that will demand that you grow? This was a circumstance that occurred in their life that demanded that Nicodemus and Joseph grew, that they had the resources and that it was, it was, it was worth it for them to risk all to do this one last thing for Jesus. Now, let me just ask you very quickly. If you took a poll of all the people who know you in your public life, the people you work with, the people you go to school with, and if you ask them, do they know that you are a Jesus follower? Would, would most of them be surprised? <laughs> Could it be that you two are a secret disciple? That I'm not saying this kind of doggy out. I'm just, I just, this is moment of growth. Come on, this is revelation. Listen, uh, uh, I know that there are a lot of Jesus followers who don't want to associate with Christianity because of what they see people on the friends who in the name of Jesus doing some pretty hateful and some pretty horrible things. And they say, well, we don't want to associate. But listen, if, if, <laughs> if, if Jesus followers like you and me, if we don't stand up, then the church will be defined by those folk on the fringes. If there ever was a time that, that the, the world needs some fresh Nicodemuses and some fresh Joseph Arimatheuses and some fresh Mary Magdalene's, it's no. Stand up. Now, I don't say wear a sign and say I'm a Jesus follower. I'm not talking about that. What I'm just saying is you focus on explanation and identification. And some person said, well, what did you do this past Sunday? Just say, hey, among the activities, I attended online church. It's, It's kind of what we do. It's part of my faith. 
Oh, they say, well, how did you come up with that incredible business plan? How did you come up with that great recipe? You know, how you figure out how to work around that mechanical problem with that automobile. You, 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 hopefully you'll be able to say, well, you know what? It, was, it, it really was a, a, a challenge for a while, but I spent some time in prayer. You know, and God gave me the revelation. Come on now, identification, explanation. So how come you didn't retaliate against that colleague? Well, because my faith teaches me. The Lord has said as, as a Jesus follower that, that vengeance is, 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 is his. And, and, and God calls me to break the cycle of ignorance and violence, not perpetuate it. You see? Just when the moment happens, step into it. That's your growth opportunity. All right, the second thing that we have to uh, be prepared to shift uh, uh, as we think about this is that you've got to shift your view of life's painful seasons. Now, watch the subtlety of this text. And I want to just commend my friend, Pastor John, really pointed this out to me. And I, I just kind of want to work with it a little bit today. It's a powerful thing. Notice this. I hadn't seen this until recently. It says, at the place where Jesus was crucified, uh, there was a garden. Go ahead. Watch this. And in the garden... There was a new tomb. Stop. All right, so here, here's the deal, just so you get a little of context. Back in that day and time, they would take a big rock and they would hew out of that rock uh, an opening. You could walk into the opening and they'd build in some ledges. You could put multiple bodies into what they would call the tomb. And, 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 and in a real sense, uh, Joseph Themis uh, just so happened because of the pressure of Sabbath coming, he realized that he had a family plot next to him, a place to go bury the dead Jesus. And check this out. But he says that the tomb was located in a garden. Lean in here. That, that, that the, the place of burial was located in the place of planting. Mm, mm. Uh, 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 in which no one had ever been laid. Come on. That the, the grave was located in a garden. So you know what they do? Watch, go, go forward. Go forward. So they laid Jesus there. Now here is what's super exciting. That when the world talk about what happened, uh, they miss the fact that, that he's laid in a garden. And so when the world talks about what happens, everybody says he was, he was laid in a grave. But what God wants you to see, no, 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 no. It was a garden. That when the world talks about what happens, what they want, everybody, everybody talks about, you know, on Friday, he was buried. But no, 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 no. God says, no, 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 no. The hole that was dug, come on, the, the hole that was in the tomb, it was in a garden. And, 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 and Jesus wasn't necessarily as much buried, watch this, as he was planted. Oh, I'm trying to get somewhere here. Come on now. Uh, uh, some of you may feel like the pandemic has thrown your life into a hole. Listen, uh, 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 some of you may feel like like the, the pandemic has, you know, all of your dreams and all of your hopes have been buried. Watch this one more thing. When, when, when everybody saw the tomb. That's the place where you take the remains of someone who used to be alive but is now dead. But they didn't know that the tomb was also a womb, the place where new life has started. And so I just stopped by to tell somebody today that God is saying, what you're calling a tomb 
He wants to declare that it is a womb. It is a place for new life to be born. All right? Now notice this. Real quick. Notice this next one. There's no resurrection without death. Listen to what Jesus says as he's starting to teach back in chapter 12 of John about what's going to happen to him and how he wanted people to interpret it. He says this. Jesus replied. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, when he said be glorified, he meant he was speaking of his crucifixion, his death. But he was also speaking of his resurrection. And he was speaking of the, both of them together was required. <laughs> See, there is no resurrection without a death. That God has a way of working both together. Watch this. Here's the last point for today. Part of what God wants you and me to remember as we think about the painful spaces in our lives, he wants us to remember that a dark season, that's the pandemic, guys. It's a pandemic place of death and place of sickness and place of, of unemployment and place of broken relationships and place of addictions that are out of control. A dark season is often the place of unseen miracles. That, 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 that God has a way to, to often be at work in dark places while we're focused on the pain and what we're missing. Oftentimes, God is right there at work in unseen ways. Watch this text. His, his, watch Jesus, how he explains it. He says, for sure, I tell you, unless a seed He's talking about himself now. He's trying to explain to them what's going to happen to him. Falls into the ground and dies. It will only be a seed. If it dies. Come on, somebody shout if it dies. It will give much grain. Another translation says it will produce great harvest. And what Jesus is saying is that what I want you to understand. Come on now. Is that what's going to happen to me in a few days? Uh, when, they, when they take my body down from the cross and, when they, and, 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 and they embalm me with all the stuff that Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus brought and they wrap my body, come on now, with, in, in, a, in a sheet, uh, 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 they're going to be thinking about it as a dead body. But I want you to know, it's not, I'm not going to be just a dead body. I'm going to be a seed, come on, that they plant <laughs> in a garden. <laughs> and all those dreams that have been attached to Jesus and all of the hope that was attached to Jesus and all that stuff that they thought was lost at his death, they would discover upon resurrection that it wasn't really lost, guys. It just was planted. <laughs> How's this speaking to your life? You know, here's a picture of a seed that's just beneath the earth. And even the scientist says that they can't fully explain the miracles that happen as the seed is hidden beneath hidden beneath the dirt. For example, they say that when you, when you, when you bury the seed, and by the way, can I just suggest that the distinction between whether something is a grave or a garden has nothing to do with the hole. It has everything to do with what you drop in the hole. <laughs> when you bury the seed, come on now, they say something happens and the seed begins to soak any moisture that's in the dirt around it. And then the master unlocks a, 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 a hidden uh, pack of food that is lying dormant within. So that as the seed 
begins to die. Y'all ain't listening. That which is dead begins to come to life. And then the scientist says that that unleashes what they call enzymes. And they say they can't fully explain it. But somehow the enzymes activate a process and the root begins to come out from the, the seed and penetrate into the dirt. It's looking for something deeper. And then the light, y'all, come on, come on, <laughs> shines from above. And even though it's hidden beneath the dirt, it senses something calling it and a sprout breaks out of what is dead and penetrates, y'all, y'all ain't listening, <laughs> penetrates the earth (laughs) can you see what's happening Jesus says I'm a seed and that when you bury me come on uh, uh, on the third day new life is going to explode new hope will sprout new possibilities come on will begin to make their way up to the surface and this one person that dies upon his resurrection billions of believers will be born a great harvest that will literally change the course of history now here's where it gets pretty exciting watch this next text as he keeps talking as he keeps talking watch the next text put the next scripture up there put the next scripture up there anyone who loves their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life now embedded here is a little insight you see part of the 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 unspoken work of the pandemic is that it does begin to weigh on us in certain ways that if a close inspection will discover that there's certain things within us that could be dying. Let me just call out some things. I've discovered that in some people's lives that during the pandemic, the value for superficial values are dying. <laughs> that, that, that you used to live to go shopping, you used to live to buy uh, high-tech toys, but now uh, uh, that, that doesn't meet you where, where, where you need to be met at. The value for superficial values. I've discovered that in some people, come on now, that, that, that a heavy self-reliance is dying. That, 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 that is the person who, who for years felt like there wasn't a problem they couldn't solve, there wasn't a challenge they couldn't overcome, but this pandemic has put them in a situation, it's put you in a situation that you've discovered that you need God and you need others. Come on now. And some other person, the power of ego is dying. Meaning that, that, that you were the person that needed to be at the front of the, of the room. You had to be in the center of attention. But something has shifted during the pandemic. And, 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 and you no longer need to be out front. Come on, you no longer need to be the center of attention. You just want to see some good stuff happen. Some of you, even your participation in what, what, what the Bible calls sin, you're acting out your addictions. Come on now. The, the stuff that used to bring you pleasure, when you engage in it now, it doesn't move you at all. Can somebody say miracles in the dark? 
<laughs> just like the miracle of the seed explodes and brings forth a fruit, just like Jesus transformation and came back to life in the darkness of the tomb. There are some miracles that's happening within you that you can't see. But I want to suggest closer inspection suggests that God is at work within you in the dark. Don't cuss the darkness. Come on now. Come on. Now. You don't have to like what's happening. Just affirm, just respect that despite all the pain that God can be working to make a difference. All right. Here, here's, here's how Jesus ends. Here's what Jesus ends. He says, whoever serves me must follow me. Same discussion. In other words, I'm on, if you serve me, I'm calling your life to be like mine's. You got to be willing to let go of all this stuff so that, you know, can I give you this insight? Sometimes there's some stuff that has to die in us before some greater stuff comes to life in us. And he says, if you follow me, you will discover that just like my life was a seed, your life is a seed also. Can you just go ahead and make this declaration with me? I, I, I love this declaration. Can you just say it out loud? Thank God I'm a seed. I'm a seed. I'm a seed. See, uh, uh, thank God I'm a seed that when life throws me in a hole, come on, and when life thinks it's burying me, all it's doing is planting me. When, when life thinks it's, it's burying my dreams and my hope, all it's doing is planting me. Come on, come on, somebody shout, thank God. I'm a seed. You, 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 you know what that means? It means that if you're a seed, it means you can grow. <laughs> you cannot outrun your history, but you can outgrow it. You cannot outrun your addiction, but you can outgrow it. You cannot outrun the consequences of poor communication in your family, but you can outgrow it and get better. Somebody shout, thank God. I'm a seed. Amen. And amen. Oh, Lord, I pray for you to help us to wrap our minds around the fact. Woo! That planted in us is a seed. And that in the dark, you're doing some miraculous things. Help us to see it and lean into it and trust you through it. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Listen, just before we leave, I just want to encourage you. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, go ahead and share this message with all your family and friends and make sure you get this message. A lot of people need to hear this message. And God willing, I'll see you next week. All right, listen, guys, I want you to engage this message. And, and here's what I want to suggest. At this very moment, if you're watching in Facebook, uh, there is a uh, uh, connection card link that's popping up. It is also a part of our website uh, posting as well. Uh, the rest of you who have access to our NBCC app, I want you to open that app, go to the Sunday screen, and then go to the connection card section. And there under, in that section, you'll see uh, next steps with Jesus. And the first opportunity that you're going to see are three uh, questions that allows you to say yes to following Jesus or to returning in faith to Jesus. It begins there, I believe, saying yes to following him. 
And then also there is the response to the message. And I just simply want you to check it as an, as an affirmation. Really, it comes right out of the message. Uh, here's the response to the message. Thank God I'm a seed. Come on, can somebody celebrate? Thank God I'm a seed. All right. And then here's a reflection question. I want you to really think about this. Take a picture of the reflection question. Uh, and it's this. What does I've been planted? What does it mean to me?